Sidewalk Audio and PatioBooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak A podcast novel by John Lenahan Book 2 of the Shadow Magic series Read by the author Chapter 28 Fern Peninsula It was dark outside, but we could just make out two brownies waiting for us at the end of the drawbridge. Hi, Dell. Missus? He didn't answer. He and what's-his-name just turned around and jogged into the night. It was our turn to slow these guys down. There was no way we were going to go full pelt into pitch darkness. Yogi called a halt, dismounted, stripped off, and handed his clothes to Tawn. He said he wanted to travel as a bear because his night vision was better. The brownies came back to yell at us for stopping just as Yogi did his change thing. He towered over them and growled. They shut up. Yogi took the point behind our guides. He growled and snarled almost constantly so we could at least follow the sound. It was difficult going, and the further we got from the castle, the worse the trail became. Soon we had to take our branch-whipped faces off our horses and power-walk behind Dell and No Name, who constantly told us to hurry up. I decided that when we finally got to where we didn't need the guides anymore, I was going to give Yogi permission to eat them. It was about an hour before dawn when we reached the borders of Fern Keep and the beginning of the Peninsula Trail. Dell asked Essa, What's for breakfast? And she pulled her banta stick out of her pack. Bravely, I got between them and pointed out to Dell that he might not want to hang out with a hungry bear and a much more dangerous princess. Dell stared daggers into my eyes and said, We will meet again. And then the two of them ran off the way they had come. In the distance, I heard Dell yell something, and it sounded like, Indoor. Ton started up a fire while Yogi got dressed. We were all too tired to pitch tents, so we just huddled up in front of the flames and napped in blankets for the short time left before dawn. I had one of those sleeps that, although it was probably a couple of hours, seemed like a blink. The sun was well up at breakfast, and nobody was what you could call chirpy. I had been trying to ask Araf about his hurt foot fib ever since we had come back from the throne room, but... Any time I brought it up, he would look over his shoulder and soundlessly say, Not now. It wasn't until we were underway for about a half an hour and in a clearing large enough so that we couldn't be overheard by the alders that Araf called a stop. I had to be sure we were not being spied on, the big guy said in a loud whisper. While you had an audience with the king, I snuck outside in daylight and saw what the brownies did not want us to see. And what was that? the Turlo asked. An army, the imp replied. A large army, and they looked to be preparing for war. But who would the brownies be at war with? Essa asked. Me, I said. Now Jesse's conversation is making sense. The brownie king's youngest son thought I had come to sue for peace. The brownies are going to attack Dor. Or... "'Cull,' Essa said, jumping off her horse. "'Someone destroyed the Tree of Knowledge once before. "'Maybe they're about to attack the Hazelands. "'We must warn Dahi.' 
She opened a saddlebag and looked inside. Then she opened another and then started frantically throwing things on the ground. Finally, she unstrapped the bags and dumped the entire contents onto the frozen dirt. Damn it! Damn it! Damn them! They stole it! They stole it! Those little brownie... Stole what? Araf said, getting down so he could help her. My Owen slate! You have an Owen slate? Tawn said incredulously. Not anymore! Essa shouted. Those little stinking... The rest of us just stood as still as possible while Essa kicked and used language that would have been inappropriate even in a Wild West saloon. Essa really did need calming down, but I had seen the princess like this before and I wasn't going to go near her. It took someone that didn't know Essa very well to attempt such a foolhardy thing. Tawn walked towards her and pulled down the back of his trousers. I thought he was going to moon her. Then the hair on the back of his head grew in, then went coarse, curly, and pepper-gray in color. His hands changed to paws, and his back legs went horizontal and straight. His shoes on what were now his back legs fell off. Then I saw the reason for the mooning. A long tail, full-flowing with hair, sprouted out of the top of his trousers. Tawn had changed into a fully clothed, tawn-sized dog. An Irish wolfhound, or something close to it. And it was the funniest thing I had seen in a long, long time. Essa was shocked into silence, then smiled, then laughed, then dropped to one knee and gave Doggy Tawn a big hug around the neck. I would pay Lots of money to find out how to do that. Tawn reformed back to his puka self during the hug, and the two of them fell laughing on the ground. I used to do that for my mother when she was upset, Tawn said, pulling up the back of his trousers. Did it always work? Essa asked, still laughing. Never failed, Tawn said, helping her up. Right, Essa said, straightening her clothes. I'm going back to Fern Keep. Hold on, princess. Now that she was calm and it was safe, I dismounted. You can't go back there. We only just got out, and I'm pretty sure accusing them of stealing and demanding your slate back isn't going to make them say, Oops, sorry, here you go. I must get that slate back, she said, her voice once again betraying her anxiety. Dai must be warned about the army. Which is probably why they took it, Brendan said. I'm a cop, Essa. Trust me, you won't get it back. But I must. I send a message to my father every other day. He'll be worried sick about me. And do you know how expensive those things are? Princess, the others are right, Ton said. I agree that Master Dahi must be informed of what Araf has seen, but we cannot go back. We're at the beginning of Fern Peninsula. Less than a mile back there is a trail that if I remember correctly from my last journey in these woods, leads us to the beach. I propose we take it to the sea. From there, we can send Yarrow to warn the Hazellands, and then the rest of us can follow the coast to Fern Point. Everyone looked at Yogi, who said, I don't know the way. I will guide you back to the Hall of Knowledge, Essa said. You can't do that, princess. Turlo said, princess in that lovey-dovey tone that was enough to make me vomit. And why not? Essa shot back. Turlo was foolishly about to start an argument with Essa when Araf piped up. And when Araf chooses to speak, it's such a surprise that people tend to listen. This discussion is not for here, 
Tom, will we make the coast before nightfall? Easily, I should think. Let us think on this as we travel and decide at next camp. Until then, do not speak of this among the alders. Turlow looked like he had something to say, but none of us waited to hear it. We turned our horses and remounted. The rest of the day was in silence, not only because the trees were listening, but also because the trail was narrow and forced us to ride in single file. By late afternoon, the alders thinned out. In the distance, the horizon widened and the slight sting of salt could be detected on the breeze. The trees disappeared altogether about a quarter mile from the coast. We trekked over rolling sand dunes covered with long grass until we reached a black sand beach. The warmth of the ocean changed the crisp, dry air into a cold, misty one, but the relief from being out from underneath the spying eyes of the alders meant that no one complained. "'What happened to the trees?' I asked Ton. "'The alders hate bracken water. They never live near the coast. That's why I propose we come here. If Yaro, I mean Yogi, and Princess Essa hug the coast, there's a chance that they can get out of the brownie lands without the alders knowing.' You think she should go with him, then? Yarrow is my friend, and in a fight I would have no other at my side. Torn looked over his shoulder, then leaned in. But he is not the smartest in the clan. Essa, I have learned, is a woman of substance, and she is a natural guide. I think together they have a better chance of success. We set up camp while Yogi stripped off, bared up, and then had a dip in the freezing water. He came out holding a flat, ray-like fish the size of a bicycle. I pitched tents while Ton and Araf fried it up. Araf produced a bottle of brownie shine that he had stolen from the stores of Fern Keep. Everybody knew it was a goodbye party for Essa and Yogi, but no one said it. I tried to have a little alone time with Essa before I went to bed, but she was deep in conversation with her fiancé. I waved at her, mouthed, good luck and promised myself that I would wake up early so as to have a chat with her before she left. As it turned out, she woke me. Long before the dawn, she shook me awake to say goodbye. What kind of time do you call this? I asked, rubbing sleep from my eyes. Yogi and I thought it might be a good idea to leave before it was light, in case any alders could see this far. I got out of bed and walked with her to what was left of the fire. I looked around, expecting to see her banshee. "'Where's the turdlow?' I said, and then mentally kicked myself for starting a fight, but Essa was calm. "'We have said our goodbyes.' "'Goodbyes? I thought he would insist on coming with you.' "'No,' she said dispassionately. I couldn't tell if she was trying to hide emotions or if she really didn't care. He tried to persuade me not to go, but... When he realized I was not for turning, he didn't volunteer to come. If I could, I would go with you. She looked me straight in the eyes for one of those hour-long seconds, smiled, then changed the subject. Yogi has packed the boat onto Ton's horse and has taught him how to assemble it. You be careful out there on the ocean. Gosh, it almost sounds like you're worried about me. She started to scowl, but then gave me a hug. I am, she said. Yogi appeared with the horses, and Essa quickly turned to go, but before she could get away, I caught her by the wrist. She tensed up, and I instantly let go, remembering what a foolish thing that is to do, but 
She didn't attack, and I got to say what I wanted to say. Then we'll both worry about each other, okay? She nodded and mounted up. I watched them disappear into the pre-dawn. I went back to bed for another hour. When I awoke, Brendan was already up. He had a good fire going and was cooking breakfast. Have you been up long? I love the sunrise on the beach. I grew up near a beach, Brendan said. Dawn is a magical time by the sea. That's what my mother always said. She also used to say, Just because you can't see a skunk doesn't mean that things don't stink. What does that mean? I have no idea, Brendan said laughing. She used to say all sorts of crazy stuff. I've been thinking about her all morning. Once she woke me up and we trudged to the beach before the sun came up to hunt for driftwood. We built a fire and she told me stories until it was light enough to see. You know what she told me? I shook my head. No. She told me about a land where people never grow old. She even named it. I've been stretching my memory to remember, and I'm pretty sure she called it Tirnanog. She told me that I came from a line of wise men. She told me I was a druid. He stopped and looked away. When he turned back, his eyes were shining. I loved those stories when I was young, but when I got older, I stopped believing them. Mom, though, well, she never stopped believing I started to think that she was stupid and later crazy. Who's the stupid one now? He dropped his head and was silent for a while. I put my arm around his shoulder. Finally, he wiped his eyes on his sleeve and stood, shaking off his heavy emotions. I'm glad my girl's with her now, and I hope Mom's telling her those same stories. I have to get back, Connor. I have to tell them both that it's all true. You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.com. Dot I-E. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Shadow Magic, book one of this series is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats.